morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider podcast. So we're going to start our podcast today a little bit differently. We're going to start with a disclaimer, which reads as follows. Unless otherwise expressly stated, the views and opinions expressed during this podcast represent the opinions of the relevant guest and do not represent the views or opinions of ASIAL, its members, advertisers, or contributors. The reason we're starting our podcast with a disclaimer is because our discussion today is around uh, the conundrum of China and what China seems to be doing uh, across the world and some of the discussion going on at the moment around uh, security equipment coming out of China, whether or not it's fit for purpose in various parts of the security industry, especially high security installations and some of the other things that appear to be happening. Our guest today is Dr. Malcolm Davis, a Senior Analyst in Defence Strategy and Capability at the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. Dr. Davis has also worked in the Department of Defence and worked in academia. He holds a PhD in Strategic Studies as well as two Master's degrees and uh, is going to talk to us today about the role of China in uh, some of the security devices we see being prohibited around the world at the moment and what ultimately this might mean. Dr. Davis, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. My pleasure. So I guess the, the podcast today, or my question for you is we're starting to see uh, a number of devices, security devices specifically coming out of China, things like CCTV cameras so far, although there's no saying that it won't spread to other devices that are being banned both within the US and Australia and other countries uh, around the suspicion that these devices are being manufactured by companies part-owned by China, uh, or the Chinese government, I should say, and that they may be transmitting information back to the Chinese government. Firstly, what would be the purpose of China in doing this? Well, Chinese uh, law states that any commercial company in China, be it Huawei or Hikvision or any of the others, uh, must uh, um, support and provide the Chinese government and the Chinese intelligence services with information on clients uh, or any intelligence they might gather. So a Hikvision camera uh, that is operating here in Australia or Huawei devices, be it a smartphone in your pocket or um, Huawei uh, access to 5G networks would give the Chinese government and the Chinese intelligence services access to useful information on Australian citizens. And this is the reason we're trying to get rid of them. It's because we, what we don't want is for Australian citizens and Australian companies uh, to essentially be under surveillance by the Ministry of State Security in Beijing. Uh, and I think that uh, it's a correct decision on the part of the Australian government for example, to ban Huawei from the 5G networks. But we also have to move now on um, smart-enabled devices such as surveillance cameras like Hikvision cameras and so forth uh, that could be transmitting information in a way back to the Chinese government that would be useful to them. Is there any reason, though, that you wouldn't be able to use some of these devices on non-sensitive sites? Or in your opinion, is it one of those things where it's just a case of, look, it's, it should just be a blanket policy uh, regardless of the brand. If we have a reasonable suspicion based on grounds that we can prove that these devices are transmitting signals that we can't detect uh, or that we can detect but we don't know what they're for, then it, it should probably be banned. 
uh, the Chinese are pursuing initiatives in smart city uh, technology where everything is networked and uh, there's large-scale surveillance. And the key thing to remember with these surveillance cameras is a lot of them do facial recognition. So it's not just, you know, they're transmitting an image of someone walking down the street. They're actually reading that person's face and that person's face is then generating information back in Beijing about that person's, um, you know, personal details, their history, their banking records and everything. And so when we talk about, you know, sort of CCTV cameras, it's not just a standard CCTV camera. It's a facial recognition camera that gives the Chinese access to all sorts of information as to what individual Australians are undertaking on a day-to-day basis, their their, um, personal movements, who they speak to, uh, where they go at a certain point. This is all useful information for them to build up. So in the in the greater context of Chinese investment into smart city technology and the potential for China to try and exploit that here in Australia, it gives the Chinese an ability to gather vast amounts of information on Australian citizens uh, as they go through their daily lives. So there are some brands that have been in the media of late where we... Uh, have reasonable suspicions that they're they're partly owned by the Chinese government and maybe uh, you know sending back unauthorized information, but wouldn't it stand to reason if I mean if most of the product that we're using these days is manufactured out of China, why would we believe that it's only these two brands, or is this something that a pattern that we might see the Chinese government pursuing across other areas? Oh, it, they'll pursue it across other areas. It's not just Hick Vision cameras or Huawei. I mean, those are the two most prominent, with Huawei in particular being highly prominent. Um, but you know, the Chinese uh, are uh, well and truly uh, integrated into our supply chain uh, for everything uh, that we essentially use. Uh, the mobile phone that I'm talking to you on now is built in China. Uh, so there is that risk that uh, anything that you're utilizing uh, in terms of your smart devices or your mobile technology um, you know, it potentially could be utilized to gather intelligence. Now, the challenge for us is how do we decouple those supply chains and maintain access to those key technologies so that our economy uh, is sustained? That's going to be the problem. Uh, we have to somehow find a way to disintegrate, uh, as in to remove uh, Chinese control over these supply chains. And I think that the solution is to start investing in sovereign production here in Australia so that we can start producing more items in this country. I mean, there should be no reason whatsoever why we can't produce surveillance cameras in this country. Uh, We do not need to have them produced in China. Smartphones are obviously a little bit more challenging because they're much more sophisticated. But we could look at, for example, the United States to produce smartphone technology. So I think that this is not just an issue about Australia. This is about Western countries in general. How do we decouple our supply chains from China in a way that cuts off their intelligence access to our country. I think that's really important. Right. So what is the bigger picture here, though? Because, I mean, China being able to gather information on Australian citizens in and of itself is not a particularly useful thing unless they intend to do something with that information. So in your role as a strategic analyst, what do you believe the bigger picture is? Well, I think that um, you look at the strategic context of where we're at, where China is seeking to um, ultimately 
end U.S. strategic primacy in Asia uh, and uh, bring about what they call a community of common destiny, which essentially is a Chinese-led order in the Indo-Pacific where China essentially writes the rules. And in as part of that process of bringing about this Chinese-led community of common destiny, smart city technology would be incredibly useful for Beijing to control information and have access to information on people's day-to-day lives. And their ability to do mass surveillance using um, uh, facial recognition technology and artificial intelligence um, could certainly be extended into Australia. And so you end up with a situation where potentially in the future, Australian citizens are under mass surveillance by um, intelligence organisations in Beijing. And that to me seems unacceptable, particularly when you look at how the Chinese have used the same technology against Uyghur populations in Xinjiang province, where they utilize um, uh, hit vision type technologies and um, facial recognition technologies to monitor Uyghurs, uh, identify them, control them, and ultimately put them in concentration camps. Uh, I'm not suggesting for a moment that the Chinese are planning to put Australians in concentration camps, but you have a slippery slope uh, that is trending towards mass surveillance uh, by an Orwellian authoritarian state. And we should be pushing against that as part of a broader um, uh, effort in, ter- in geopolitical terms to maintain the existing rules-based order that is based around liberal democratic values and, uh, and freedom of society. Yeah. We've seen China making all sorts of interesting moves on the international stage in the last couple of weeks from, you know, uh, exerting dominance in the South China Sea to uh, conflict borders with India um, to making some spurious claims around ports in Russia and, and, you know, saber rattling with the US. What exactly is it that we're seeing that's taking place here? I think that what you're seeing is China determined to assert itself in, in the world as I said, to end the US-led international order that has been established since 1945 and replace it with a Chinese-led order. Um, And their approach is not one of promoting uh, liberal democratic values and freedom of thought or freedom of expression. It's essentially an authoritarian future, whereby uh, it is ruled by law, not rule of law. Um, And uh, I think that the risk is that in this future, uh, democracy and freedom of speech and freedom of thought would be snuffed out and controlled by authoritarian um, government. We don't want to see that. You know, we've shed blood uh, since 1914 to prevent that sort of outcome from happening, and we're seeing the same thing happening again. So if we talk about the prospect that we are now in a new Cold War with China. Um, I think that's very real. And you know, this, this ranges all the way from the, the huge geopolitical level of uh, major power competition and military conflict and uh, you know competition in terms of technologies right down to the humble Hick vision camera that is monitoring individuals' uh, uh, activities uh, on the street. So this is an all-encompassing strategic competition that is just getting started and will last probably decades. And it's really uncertain as to who wins this competition. Is it reasonable to assert that, you know, moves to try and control things like CCTV cameras being deployed in other countries and all the rest of it are part of, uh, I suppose, essentially a new Cold War between China and the rest of the Western nations? 
And if we are in a what would be referred to as a cold war, what are the chances of this escalating into a hot war in the near future? Well, look, I think you know the humble CCTV, CCTV camera is just one tool amongst many uh, that you know you're seeing deployed. Um, and I think that uh, this has this this cold war is multifaceted at many levels. And I think that uh, the potential for Chinese mass surveillance in a covert manner in our own societies through these sorts of technologies or through controlling 5G networks is very real. The important point about the 5G aspect is that if they control 5G, they control our economy and they can shut our economy down at the flick of a switch uh, to coerce us. So that's the reason why uh, the Australian government banned Huawei from uh, bidding for the 5G networks. We didn't want the Chinese government having a chokehold on our economy. Um, I think that the prospect for the Cold War turning hot is quite real. Uh, if you look at the situation around Taiwan and in the South China Sea, those are probably the two biggest risks uh, that we face in the next few years. Um, the government just released its defence uh, strategic update earlier this month. And the Prime Minister made references to the 1930s as parallels for today. And I think that's very relevant. So um, I think that we are facing a very dire situation, probably the most dangerous situation in terms of um, the risk of war between major powers since the 1930s. Why now? What, what specifically has triggered this set of circumstances at this point in time? Well, this has been building up for some time, uh, really, uh, since Xi Jinping came to power in Beijing. Uh, I think that Xi has a different approach uh, to his predecessors. Uh, he has uh, been promoting this concept of a China dream, which is a re rejuvenated China that is once again a middle kingdom. And part of that China dream is to end U.S. strategic primacy in the Indo-Pacific. In other words, to end the U.S. superpower status and replace it with a Chinese global led order. And I think that the US is not prepared to simply back down and accommodate China. So you, know, you are seeing this increasing tension. I think also um, the coronavirus pandemic has accelerated negative strategic trends. Uh, they, it has essentially given China the potential opportunity to push forward whilst the US is weakened by the impact of coronavirus. And so the Chinese are exploiting that to a degree. And I do think that the Chinese see that their opportunity is, is there in front of them to be able to seize that mantle of power from the US. And they also know that their time is limited in the sense that um, they have some serious internal challenges in terms of their domestic economy and their society, uh, their demographics, all of which could make it more difficult for them to make moves towards um, uh, assuming uh, global power later on. So it, it, there is an urgency there for the Chinese to make moves now. Right. We saw recently the Australian government announce a $270 billion spend on defence um, and upgrading our, our percentage of GDP to around 2.1% on defence moving forward. Is this, in your view, and an acknowledgement by the Australian government that China is becoming a real and Im impending problem? Yes, it is, uh, in the sense that the... 2020 Defence Strategic Update and the accompanying core structure plan was released very much with China in mind. Um, those documents were, were designed to address 
negative strategic trends that had moved sharper and faster than had it originally been anticipated when the uh, writers of the 2016 white paper um, put their document together. And so we had to respond to those challenges. And um, you're now seeing um, you're now seeing uh, China making moves um, uh, very clearly towards challenging the U.S. in the region, and we have to respond to that. Okay. So if I am the security manager of a large government facility or government site or even a sensitive site, what sorts of things might this mean for me moving forward as far as the, the design and, and installation of my security overlay, the provision of my security services? What sorts of things do I need to be mindful of? Well, you certainly wouldn't want to be um, installing Chinese um, originated uh, technologies like Hikvision cameras. Um, you certainly wouldn't want to be having Chinese uh, technical systems or technical assistance in setting up the, those, the, the, those technologies. So I think that when, when organizations think about their security needs going forward, they have to think about the potential for an adversary government like China to be able to infiltrate into those systems using what appear to be harmless commercial technologies like a camera, a CCTV camera, but in actual fact are a valuable intelligence gathering tool. And it's important to note, for example, the Hikvision cameras, not only do they do facial recognition, they can pick up voice conversations as well. So, you know, we need to be very conscious of the fact that, you know, all of these systems uh, are connected in uh, to intelligence networks, that Chinese companies, by law, are required to, to submit uh, intelligence material and assist the intelligence agencies in China on gathering. And they don't operate like, Australian commercial companies, and we need to be aware of that. To what degree, what sorts of powers do the Chinese government have to compel Chinese uh, or China-based companies to assist in their aims? Well, it's, it's essentially you know, law. Uh, if Chinese companies like Huawei do not provide uh, intelligence um, information to the Ministry of State Security, uh, you know, it's not a good outcome for them. Uh, and also remember that Huawei uh, is is part of the Chinese Communist Party. It's it's established within the Chinese Communist Party, so there's absolutely no real um, um, division between the two. Uh, so it's not like Australia. It's not like the Australian business environment. Um, there is no clear distinction between commercial companies and government, and uh, you know that we have to just be realistic about this and not treat it as if it's just like Australia. Yeah, okay. So if a Chinese company were turning around and saying, look, we are not state-owned in any way, shape or form, we have nothing to do with the Chinese government, uh, what level of credence does that hold in this discussion? They're living in an authoritarian state. Uh, they have no say in the matter. Wow, okay. Um I, sorry, I'm just I'm I'm pausing here to gather my thoughts because that's a fairly powerful statement because it it's reasonable to say that at this point in time, ninety percent or more of the security equipment that we're using here in Australia is manufactured at some stage using components or entirely in China. That's correct. That puts us in a very vulnerable position. 
It certainly does. And that's why we need to take urgent steps to disentangle ourselves from that network. Uh, and we certainly should resist Chinese efforts to um, set up smart cities uh, in our country. Um, you know, for example, uh, their efforts uh, to get states to sign up to the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative, um, they're not doing that out of you know, out of sheer kindness uh, or good intentions towards us. It's a way to essentially uh, impose their political will on us. And part of that process is through smart city technology, um, including facial recognition cameras uh, that would then keep Australians under surveillance. And so you would have the Ministry of State Security in Beijing monitoring the activities of Australian citizens going about their daily lives, gathering intelligence on individuals, including through facial recognition systems. Um, and you know, everything is networked. And when you add in artificial intelligence systems, the potential to gather massive amounts of, of, of megadata uh, um, and, me and, and metadata, I should say, um, is really the critical um, uh, trend here. Right. So if Australia starts pushing back and refusing to use products that are manufactured in places like China, what ultimately might that mean for China and what could their response be? Oh, well, look, I think what you're seeing with China is they will um, push back against us. You know, we're already seeing that in terms of their efforts to penalise us for, for example, asking for an independent inquiry into the outbreak of COVID-19. Um, where they're, they're putting, imposing tariffs on our exports and threatening to shut down, um, imports of uh, beef and wine. Um, and they could take that further in terms of, uh, economic penalties. So yes, they will, they will push back, no doubt about it. Um, but we need to sometimes think how our national security and our national values and the defense of our democratic way of life is more important than simply maintaining uh, a good trading relationship. Yeah. All right. Well, that's given us a lot to think about, um, you know, because basically you're suggesting that all security equipment manufacturing conducted in China needs to seriously consider being relocated to other parts of the world, if not Australia, which is not always going to be necessarily feasible on a grand scale immediately. Um but, you know, there are plenty of companies out there who are manufacturing equipment right now that would suggest that, no, 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 we've got nothing to do with the Chinese government. We are in total control of our own production lines and we don't transmit information or do anything. But you're suggesting, and correct me if I'm wrong, that as we stop using those products that we do have a reasonable suspicion about, they will just move to the next one and the next one and the next one, and they can compel those companies to comply against their wishes. Is that correct? If, if, if those companies are located inside China, yes. Okay. If you've got a company here in Australia uh, that's an Australian company that's manufacturing security products, um, Obviously, if they're using Chinese components, then there is a risk. But if they're not using Chinese components, then there's no risk. Okay, so that's yep. what I'm saying. If a Chinese company, if it declares that it uh, that it has no link to the Communist Party, that is nonsense. Because the simple reason is they're living in an authoritarian state. The Chinese Communist Party can compel them to do whatever the Chinese Com Communist Party wants. Um, that's the nature of authoritarianism. They have no say. Um, but if you're talking about an Australian company, 
here in Australia, then they would be wise to to um, stop using Chinese components. But beyond that, there's nothing the Chinese government could do at this point in time to penalise. Yep. Okay. Well, Dr. Davis, thank you very much for your time. It's been a highly enlightening conversation and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more like this one in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, Uh, the Google Play Store, and all the other great places that you can find amazing podcasts. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Have a great day.